Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. First up, we take a look at the stories that are making an impact on the front pages and business pages of this, this, this morning's papers and online. Delighted to be joined this morning in studio by journalist and author Valerie Cox and Doug Keating, who's the head of comms at Avalon. You're both very welcome to the programme. Thank um, you. Valerie, I might, I might start with the um, headline in today's Irish Mail, a major blow for one-off <coughs> housing in rural Ireland. And again, we have to set the scene here. There's a, a political uh, uh, kite flying going on at the moment. Uh, rural TDs are coming out saying we won't have this. Yeah. <laughs> but anything that really challenges one-off housing is going to is is going to uh, bring on the ire of many rural TDs. Absolutely. Um, this is the first review of the National Planning Framework team, and they're going to recommend to the government a complete clampdown on one-off housing in rural Ireland. Now, you've got it's got to be said there already is a big clampdown. I mean, in County Wicklow, for example, for years you couldn't um, build a, a new house in rural Ireland um, on, in Wicklow unless you had a local connection to the area, as in a job or a family or something like that. Now, having said that, Wicklow County Council, along with a lot of other county councils, have been, you know, ordering clampdowns in the sense of demolition, where people have put up mobile homes, chalets, houses. In one, uh, well, one that, occasion, there well, were six of them demolished. development. Is that not it something is, yeah. slightly I mean, different? They did it without planning permission yeah. at all, because they knew they weren't going to get planning permission, probably. So it is very difficult for people who live in these areas. Um, They don't want ribbons of houses all over the countryside. But in many areas, they're already there. I mean, yes, let's preserve the national parks and so on, but it isn't going to make a huge amount of difference in many areas in the country at this stage. There's also an argument, and again, I'm not saying I'm for this argument, there is a valid argument that says, I own some land here, I've been here for generations, the cheapest option for me as an individual, is to yeah. build on my own land. Yeah, and my and parents... I'll, and I'll take the costs of putting in the services. Absolutely, and my parents are living next door and so, so on. And it's valid. It's very valid. Doug, any thoughts on this? Well, yeah, I don't think I, I be, my views would be very popular in rural Ireland for those who are availing of this, and I totally understand it. But but, but I think, Bobby, to your point around, you know, it, it is cheaper to to do to build your one-off house probably than, than buying a, a, a built house from a developer you can say people will say they will pay for their services. But actually, in aggregate, there's a lot of provision of government services, whether it be, you know, health, education, you know, broadband, like, that is more than just the kind of cost of putting in your water connection. That yeah, we know, we know that ribbon development and low density makes it incredibly hard and expensive. So, you know, and there were 5,000 one-off houses built last year up from about 4,500 the year before. So... I think this is the right thing to do. This is obviously a, a you know leak of the draft to the to the Daily Mail. It's going to be hugely politically controversial, uh, and you know no surprise to see Michael Fitzmorris, uh, the stalwart independent TD, saying they will. There's a photograph of him that looks very quite threatening. Actually. Yeah, he says that uh, the, you know you will get a kick in the backside out of office from rural <laughs> Ireland that the government will get, and I suspect there's a lot of rural TDs on the government benches who are a little bit nervous. Yeah. It's that classic, it's the right thing to do, but it's not very politically palatable. Yeah, OK, well, we'll be probably coming back to that story. Um, Cliff Taylor is an interesting piece, Valerie, in today's Irish Times. Yeah. Um, and it's basically, the, the headline is, a branch just fell off Ireland's magic money tree. Should we be worried? And just to remind listeners, maybe, 
that uh, it seemed to go under the radar somewhat that corporate tax receipts fell by one billion compared with the same month last year, a drop of over one third, which seems to have gone, as he points out, largely unnoticed. Yeah, absolutely. And he also says it's a warning of the risk of volatility from relying on these three or four big companies for huge amounts of tax. But he goes on to talk about, you know, what is going to happen in the budget and what way should the government be making their decisions. So he says, if we see the job of the state as compensating households for whatever extra costs they face, energy bills or whatever, no matter what their income level, then the exchequer will always be running to stand still. And he says there's a good argument to help less well-off households. But of course, everybody is getting this support and the government is yet to be seen to act. But what they're looking at really is what's going to happen after the next election? You know, if Sinn Féin comes comes into power, uh, is running the government, then they're going to spend money all over the place um, for everybody. So they're sort of saying, well, you know, should we maybe win the next election by spending all of that money now? Yeah, He, he makes a couple of really good points. One of them is that, you know, you almost devalue uh, the, the 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 resource that is corporation tax because you talk about 1.3 billion, which is the 200 euro energy credits, and the price of electricity is now seen to be coming down. That's 1.3 billion, and he's saying it's it's thrown around as if it was small change. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Cliff Taylor's um, making very valid points here about the political. Um, traffic is is obviously driving governments to look to spend money but you know a 200 euro energy credit as you say that's 1.3 billion that's like big sum of money you know a lot of money um and and i guess one of the big things i think is that we don't do enough in terms of targeting some of this expenditure so you know yes there are families that are very hard pressed on low incomes who need support but what we tend to do because you know uh, it's better for votes is we spread Blow blanket benefits yeah. that you know are going to people who you know yes they're they're struggling the cost of living crisis is hitting them but you know they don't necessarily really need that 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 money so you know hopefully we can be prudent i think 1 billion in august i think it's hard to read much into that you know one swallow doesn't make a summer but um we are hugely dependent on that and the number that jumped out for me uh, from the article was that um, between 2023 and 2026, the total surplus that we're going to have uh, is 56 billion. Yeah. Uh, if you're in government up. facing an election, that's a number that must look uh, very attractive. So I hope um, the Minister <laughs> for Finance and and the Minister for, for Public Spending are sensible in what they do. Well, one line in this that I sort of brought it home for me was uh, what he says is, with a general election looming, uh, they may reckon there are few votes in prudence. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that, that's kind of... <laughs> Spend the money all. before Sinn Féin gets it. <laughs> yeah. yes. What was Charlie McCreevy's line? You know, if I have it in my pocket, I'll spend it. Yeah, yeah. there could be a bit of that going on. All right, uh, Valerie, um, back to Montrose. There still seems to be... This seems to be Where the story else? that keeps on giving. And we're delighted to be able to look at it every week. Um, but there you go. So staff at Montrose... I left fuming as, ex- as executives top up their salaries. Leo says it's up to individuals to give their pay rise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bad, really. Um, it's emerged now, the RT executives, they got um, a 10%, uh, sorry, they handed back their pay rise, but then got it back a year later. They originally agreed the cut in 2019, but it wasn't a permanent measure. Now, staff are very angry about this, and you can understand that, absolutely. But Leah was saying it's up to the individuals whether that's, they give it back or not. That's a joke to say that. Total like, joke, absolutely. Like you give me 10% and then you ask me for it back, I know what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. yeah. Like, who 
would in their right mind would give back yeah. money that was given to them. Yeah, I mean, Leo says it's very annoying for people that Rorty didn't tell staff about this. Well, if it's very annoying, then, you know, go do something about it. Yeah. I mean, it's not to me that the money, I think, is not the issue so much at RT as the people who are earning this money and where we've seen uh, weakness and and you know, senior management that don't seem to have been very good at their jobs. But to me, the the more you know, pressing number is this twenty one million euro drop that they're projecting in license fee income for this year, uh, which seems to have come from the you know the Ryan Tuberty situation and people you know not paying. That's a massive number and and <laughs> is provoking a going to provoke a huge financial well, crisis the, for RTE. But the ask, if we look at the piece in the Irish Examiner, which says uh, Backhurst accepts difficult changes. Uh, needed for RTE bailout. We're talking here about an expected ask of 55 million uh, in additional interim funding. That is not going to be given or anything close to it without strings attached. No, and um, Kevin Backhurst has said that. And he also said the TV licence system is broken. So he's accepted that. But he said, yes, I mean, there's going to be complete revision for RTE. Um, He's going to have to accept that. He understands that um, before any further funding is given. But I think, you know, what's also creeping in here is um, not just the need for change, but the need for change urgently. And I think, you know, part of people not paying their TV licence is not just anger, but a lot of people are thinking, hang on a second, the TV licence is going to be taken away completely. So if that happens on the 1st of January or something, why why would I be paying now? There's a bit of that. You're probably right, Valerie. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Just back to... uh, Matters uh, in in Dublin City here, Doug. Uh, inner city plan, not just about putting guard boots on the ground, says McEntee. We also say uh, Olivia Kelly has analysis in the same paper. Yet another plan seeks to turn uh, inner city's fortunes. Can I just say before we talk about this, I was in town twice yesterday. I was in town during the day, and I came. Ba- I went home, and I came back into town yesterday evening. And I was staggered by the buzz, by the amount of people. Last night at about 11 o'clock, you couldn't cross the street on Georgia Street. There were so many people there. I mean, I, I was absolutely astounded. At, now, it was all very pleasant. I didn't notice anything that was, you know, uh, sinister or otherwise. But just the physical numbers mm. of people in town, I thought was absolutely staggering. Which is great. And, and I mean, it was a lovely evening and, and I heard the same thing from friends who were in town last night. They were commenting on just the buzz and vibrancy and that's what we want uh, in our city. And I guess the story uh, you've identified on page four of the Irish Times is around what the government is trying to do following you know the high profile incidences we've seen of, of, of violence and, and, and bad behaviour on our streets. And the proposal... Uh, is around the deployment of what they're calling community safety wardens yeah, um, which, to help. Which, um, which I know really irked the Gardaí. Yeah, just there's I a, saw the, in, a in Olivia yeah. Kelly's piece. Uh, Some sort of cheap policing. Cheap, or you know, uh, the, the Gardaí raising a concern they're a cheap alternative to proper policing. Well, they're certainly a cheap alternative to policing. That's exactly what they are. Whether you know pro- whether um, it's fair to say they're not proper, i.e., they are not fit for purpose and won't help. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think this story is is a bit of a. It definitely has substance to it, but I think it was one of those stories that got seized on in the summer and probably got over egged in terms of the the you know 
Dublin has always had issues, always had problems, and we need to address them. I'm not sure it's it's suddenly happened overnight. Yeah, I, I don't know, Doug. I, like, I would suggest that over the... And again, I've been uh, somebody who, who's been in the city an awful lot over the years. In more recent years, the, the edge of, you know, of security, of violence, of attacks on tourists really has been something yeah. that, that I think has is a serious issue. And, you know, I... I don't know if these uh, blue coats or whatever they're going to be called uh, <laughs> is the solution. But I, I, you know, if if there are people out and they're there in a in a in a public order capacity to help, to guide, to provide reassurance, to me that can only be a positive. Yeah, no, and I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. I mean, it'd be interesting to see exactly what you know powers these people have, and and you know whether they can actually enforce or do things yeah. or, or stop things, but and the, the respect they're given. Yeah, but coming up with an idea like that without uh, finalising it and discussing it with the Gardaí first is ridiculous. And the uh, president of the GRA, Brendan O'Connor, he was on on this station he during was, the week with Pat Kenny. Pat, yeah. And he was saying he'd be very cautious of the notion of community safety wardens. We don't know what they are. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous announcing this until they've hammered that out with the Gardaí yeah. so everybody knows what's happening and there's no antagonism towards what could be a very good idea. I think that probably comes back to the political pressure around this, Valerie, mm, yeah. as in that there's... There's, there's a real sense that we have to get out there and say we have this 50-point plan. There's another piece in, in which we're not talking about in the mail about uh, something of the 50 points in the plan, something like 25 of them need funding, which, isn't, which hasn't been discussed. No, no. So, you know... It's, gov- is- it's government by press release, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's not just Dublin, because as well as that, I mean, look, in the last week, we've had two major fights, if you like, in the middle of Galway. Mm. I mean, there's, there's this yeah. kind of uh, unlawful get- get-togethers and so on and crime in other cities as well. And that has to be watched because that can be rising as well. Yeah, yeah. We take our eye off it. Um, there's a really good business story here, Doug. In, uh, it's covered in all the papers, actually. Um, a very interesting company, uh, WTech Eyes Nordic Deal after closing third takeover of the year. Uh, it's a company called Rytech, acquiring businesses. Uh, Ted Wright uh, down there in in the Midlands, you know, a real solid business, employing over five hundred and eighty people with turnover of one hundred and twenty five million euro. Like these are businesses that you'd give your IT to have. In, in your area because of the added value uh, it, it, to the community. Yeah, it's a great story. And and it's I suppose it's companies like these, I was thinking sort of Germany, that sort of the Mittelstadt, the small kind of medium-sized uh, engineering uh, type businesses that are delivering um, huge economic benefits. And this company, so Ted Wright is the CEO and, and, and is shortlisted on the EY Entrepreneur of the Year uh, awards, but it, it what is interesting to me also is it's a it's an example of a, it's private equity backed. So yeah, so um, they were given the resources. Yeah, having and, got the uh, equity I think involved. it's a Dutch um, private equity firm, Waterland, backed them. So obviously working with the founder and CEO, and and what I think is really positive is that for for businesses in Ireland at this scale, who you know instead of selling up or you know are able now to get investment to take yeah. it. Uh, to another stage, to scale, and, and yeah. in this article, you know, he's talking about taking revenues to two hundred to two hundred and fifty million. Talks about how you know fire safety products, which is what they do, being 
recession proof. And I guess when you think about it, that you know, the one thing you hope no one skimps on in a recession is uh, their fire safety systems in their in their building. So uh, it's great for Mullingar, uh, and like you know, these kind of businesses, as you say, are are, are ones we should really celebrate. Valerie, can I move you on to our next story, if you wouldn't mind? Yes. To Stevens Green uh, Shopping Centre again. There was a planning um, permission submitted, uh, which seemed to maybe be light on retail, didn't have any uh, stock of the existing tenant mix up in it, and it was basically sent back to the drawing board. Now we have a new planning permission uh, that's been put forward uh, for the same centre. Now this is a a shopping centre, it's an iconic centre, right at the top of Grafton Street. It's been there uh, since 1988. It does, no doubt, need reinvestment, but I think it's very important that you know that we get would get the mix right yeah. on, on an iconic building such as this. Yeah, I mean it, it's got very tired at this stage, and is, of course it's got such a prime position in Dublin. But um, yeah, they were sent back to the drawing board, and they've come up with what sounds like a much more interesting place for people. It's going to have two cinemas. It's going to have lots of beverage and food outlets. And it's just going to be more user friendly. And I think that's very important because creating places, I mean, we've seen it in Dundrum um, where they've got a bit of everything in it and it works. Yeah. Whereas this, maybe if it was just going to be a shopping mall or offices or whatever, it just wouldn't work. You need far more than that in the city, in the city centre. And uh, I think, you know, it, it, it's looking good. Yeah. I was struck actually that by currently in the, in, the, in the submission they made, they make the point that on the second floor of the Stephen's Green Shopping Centre, half the retail space is vacant. So yeah. it's obviously not working in its current format. So and there's, they, I think they also cite that many of the tenants are in serious difficulty. Yeah, or paying rents that aren't really economic. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the uh, Indian summer, Doug. I hope you're enjoying <laughs> it. I see you in your shorts this morning. Um, but the uh, Indian summer sizzler smashes 14 heat records. Interesting piece about woolly fashion messages as well <laughs> in the Irish Times, the the paper of note. Yeah, I suppose two things uh, in these stories. Yes, we're having a, a, a fantastic heat wave, which I'm, I read here, Met Aaron defines as five successive days with temperatures over 25 degrees. Uh, 28.2 degrees in Oak Park in County Carlow yesterday, which I think is actually, you know, Anything under 30 degrees, I'm kind of, I can, I can live with. But once you get above that, you know, it gets uncomfortable. But I suppose the business angle in this that you point to is the Cantillon piece in the Irish Times headlined uh, Woolly Fashion Me- fashion Messages. And what they're drawing attention to is that this uh, heat wave has come at a funny time for retailers who are busy launching their autumn and winter wear <laughs> collections, uh, which is, you know, jarring horribly with people who, like me, are walking around in shorts and yeah. T-shirts. And, and they make the broader point that with climate change and the weird weather patterns we have, it becomes yeah. harder and harder for retailers to actually have the right thing in their store that fits what's actually going on outside. Okay, mm. last word to you, Valerie. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's actually amazing, the ads that are out at the moment. It's jacket season. Hello, autumn. That's French Connection. And its models are posed in faux fur. Save on Gilets is another one. And the Marks and Spencer one, I think, is probably the best of all. They might have seen this coming. They say, autumn, is that you? there we go okay folks thanks for a great review of the papers Valerie Cox and indeed Doug Keating thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning Down to Business with Bobby Kerr brought to you by Bank of Ireland Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk